what are we going to do in the coming year for Jesus? What are you going to do? And collectively, what are we going to do for Jesus? Some things will be very small acts of just continuing to be faithful where God has called you. Some things will be very hard. There are some journeys ahead in our life that are going to be rough, but they're going to be for Jesus. Will you do it? Will you walk it or not? And so we're going to hear about an opportunity that we as a a church family are invited into. And I think there's a group of people here that God will call to this. But I believe we're all called to be a part of this. Whether we're the ones who take up this invitation and make a trip, or we're the part of of people who support it. Um, And so we have the privilege of having one of my favorite people here today, uh, Lauren Pupchik. And so I'm going to invite Lauren. Would you come up and join me up here? We're going to have a little conversation. We've never done this before, so if this is terrible... We don't know what we're doing, so that's why. Welcome, welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Um, so Lauren is, uh, we know we share you with a lot of churches, but we this feel like you're ours. favorite Yes, <laughs> we feel like you're ours in a special way. Um, we consider it without a doubt an honor to be connected with you to be behind you. And you have been a blessing to us in many, many ways, some that we can't even describe, but a challenge and, and your faithfulness and the sweetness of your spirit and just the easy connection you have with people has been really cool for us. And I don't know how many churches can say, you are our first missionary. You are the only church that can say that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, Tell us a little bit about what's been going on in your life over this past year. Mm -hmm. Well, it is really cool to see you guys again. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad, as we say in Spanish. Um, God, since the last time I saw you, God turned my life around. Um, And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to share with you and to give you a little bit of an update. But um, one of the first things that is noteworthy, Rick, if you can put up that first picture, is that I got engaged this year. <laughs> and so, um, actually, I got engaged a couple weeks ago on December 15th. Um, God brought an amazing um, man into my life. His name is Alejandro. He's a missionary um, in Guatemala. He is Guatemalan. And um, this year, we started a relationship. And I had the opportunity to share with some ladies yesterday sort of the neat story. But um, from the very beginning of my relationship, I kept telling him that I we couldn't move forward until I talked to my Heavenly Father. And so um, we just really bathed this year in prayer and seeking God for his good plan for us um, because we know he is a good, good father. We know that his plans are good, and he is perfect in all of his ways. So um, it was a long time of praying and seeking and waiting on the Lord, um, but I can give testimony that he is faithful. He is a good father, and um, I'm excited to share with you guys that um, this good gift that I have received. Um, and so I'm going to be getting married in March, on March 10th. Um, so you're all cordially invited to come to Guatemala, <laughs> either on a missions trip or on March 10th. Either one is fine. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share that because it was many years of praying and seeking the Lord um, for that godly mate. And I'm excited to share with you that he has answered. Mm-hmm. And what, what's been going on ministry-wise for you? Yeah, so in ministry, um, this year was full of a lot of traumatic events in Guatemala. 
in um, in June, on June 3rd, there was a volcanic eruption. We live in, Guatemala has like over 20 volcanoes, some active, some inactive. So volcanoes are beautiful and they're a lovely part of our, um, they're very picturesque um, in Guatemala, but there is one volcano that's very active. And unfortunately, because of the deep level of poverty in Guatemala, a lot of um, people who don't have land will tend to build their homes very close to the volcano, which is very dangerous. So there was an eruption this year um, and that meant that that there were entire communities that lost everything in a matter of moments. Um, we know one friend who lost over 30 people in his family on one day. And the only reason he wasn't there was because he's in seminary with Alejandro in Guatemala City. So um, there's just a lot of devastation that happened. So that brought up a lot of new ministry opportunities because um, not only was there the immediate reaction of relief of bringing food and clothing and different things, but the spiritual implications of going through something like that, of losing everybody of losing your home are very deep. So um, one of the neat things is that this year I got um, trained in a ministry called Restoring the Foundations, and it's a spiritual healing and restoration ministry. So we meet um, one-on-one with people to pray with them and help them see what areas of pain and hurt are they carrying in their life, and also um, how they can use their authority in Jesus Christ to walk in freedom. So I was getting trained in that from January to June, and on June 3rd, this eruption happened. So I can see God lining up a lot of new things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's probably some shift coming in your ministry from what we know that you've been doing to yes. what God mm-hmm. is going to call you to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the neat things is that you guys have heard me talk about my passion for education and child sponsorship, and I still carry those things very dear in my heart. Um, but one of the, our former sponsored students, his name is Joe Mike, who actually my mom um, sponsored. She's here visiting today from Florida. Hi, Mom. <laughs> um, hi, Mom. <laughs> but um, she sponsored him all through high school, and now he's coming back to take over um, the child sponsorship program. So it's really exciting. He's like a brother to me. He calls my mom, mom. Um, but to see like he went through the program and now he's going to become the director of the program. So that leaves me a little more freedom to be able to do this one-on-one ministry with people. So I'll be um, making a transition this year over to Alejandro's ministry, um, Servants Hearts Ministries, it's called. So together as a couple, we'll be able to share the love of Jesus and tell uh, Guatemala what a good, good father we have. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff. We uh, got to put on... Uh, where's Kirsten? Right here. Behind mom. Right. God had put on Kirsten's okay. heart earlier this year, which is why mm-hmm. we had a conversation yeah. talking about taking a trip down mm-hmm. at some folks in church, gathering up some folks in church, and heading down to be of help in mm-hmm. Guatemala, especially in line with some of that devastation mm-hmm. that you've been talking about, um, which actually kind of lines up with some of the stuff that... Mm-hmm. So talk to us about what people do mm-hmm. When they come down, because we're going to probably I'm going to put out in front of you to be praying about some of us gathering up and and heading down to do some of this. So listen with those ears. okay? Mm -hmm. so tell us what that looks like if people come down. Um, So it's a really neat opportunity there. Basically, after the um, volcanic eruption happened, they surveyed all of the damage and Guatemala, like the government put out like a 10 year reconstruction program, which basically means they um, imagine it will take 10 years to rebuild um, everything that was lost in a matter of seconds. So Servants Hearts Ministries, which is Alejandro's ministry, which will soon be my ministry, um, their whole focus all along had been building homes for families that were 
living in poverty and building and drilling water wells um, for communities and churches that didn't have access to clean drinking water. So it really lines up perfectly with what their vision and mission already was. So now they're just changing the focus into one of the communities called El Rodeo, which lost everything. So um, each week they go and they build a home for a family. So the photos that you can see is a team that we hosted from Atlanta, Georgia. So good friends that we know from church, they put it together a team. They came down. There was maybe like three or four people that were handy and knew what they were doing. The rest were like me who did not. Um, but believe it or not, I actually was able to uh, really assist well. So they um, have house kits that we use. And basically, you know, the guys, the team will help you to know where, where to drill and what to put where. So it's not like you're on your own. But when a team comes down, which is what we would invite you guys to do, you would join us um, to get to know a family. And the most important thing is to build a relationship with that family so that um, we can share the love of Jesus as we provide them with a new home. Um, And the most important thing that we usually share is that the home is given as a gift, and we tie that into the message of the gift of salvation. So just so when they're standing in their new home and we're about to hand them the keys, we say, these keys are yours. You didn't pay for this. You didn't earn it. You helped us build it. We're, we're appreciative that you came alongside of us, but you didn't do anything to pay for this house, just like Jesus paid the entire price for your salvation. So it gives us a really neat opportunity when they're actually standing in their house to look around and go, wow, you're right. I don't maybe deserve this or I didn't pay for this, but now it belongs to me. So we, when we're not asking for them to pay us, we're asking for them to receive it and to take care of it. The same thing that Jesus does when he gives us that free gift of salvation. So if you were to come down, um, you would be, have a chance to really get to know a, one particular family, build that relationship, and um, have an opportunity to help us in our day-to-day ministry. Um, you would come alongside us and make an impact in one of those families' lives who lost everything. Yeah. I, and I don't know exactly what God's going to do. We're going to trust mm-hmm. the Lord with this. But I really feel like God put it on Kirsten's heart for a reason. Mm-hmm. God is moving mm-hmm. Lauren mm-hmm. into like a spot where it would be a really cool thing. Don't you think that'd be cool to go down and help people like that? Um, and to see the, because could you imagine if, if you lost everything in a matter of seconds and so did your entire community? And then there are folks who come and say, we want to help and we don't ask anything of you. And we do this because, why? Because someone saved us. Someone rescued us. And you imagine the transformational power that that has. It's a way that even... Even broken, weak me, even messed up me can shine a light that is easy for people to see. And so I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity and that chance. Uh, there are details and things like that that we've got to kind of talk through and work mm-hmm. through. Um, but if we felt like the Lord is mm-hmm. doing something here. And just because we don't know exactly what he's doing doesn't mean we're not ready to say, Father, what are you doing? <laughs> so... Exactly. Um, People would come down. They would spend probably a week, mm-hmm. um, and we would try to target, depending on how many people go, mm-hmm. uh, it would be like you were talking before about uh, this many people for mm-hmm. a house, right? Yeah. What's that kind of grouping? Yeah, usually um, the perfect number, they say, is about six to eight people for each house build. 
Um, so if a bigger group came, we could divide and do two homes. Um, and then the other thing that's really neat is that, as you can imagine, if there's parents around, there's lots of kids around. And being a church that loves children and has such a heart for ministry as you do, um, one of the areas maybe where I feel a little more comfortable is working with the children and the families. So while the home is being built, there's a lot of, usually a lot of kids come out because, you know, it's interesting to see a lot of Americans show up and they hear English and they're curious. Um, so to do some type of like right there in the moment, you know, I don't mean at a formal church or school or anything like that, but just real ministry right there in the moment, you know, uh, painting with kids or doing bubbles or just getting to build that little bit of a relationship and then sharing the love of Jesus that way. Um, and so we make sure that they, that they see us, but that they also um, experience um, our, our love for Jesus and our love for them at the same time. So even if you're maybe not a builder, which I'm personally not, but um, you can do it. And also there's a lot of opportunities to work with the women and the children there too, because it's all, it's very holistic. We want to make sure we share with the whole family. Yeah. So we think that's a cool opportunity. We've talked mm-hmm. about a target date, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit tentative because yeah. it depends on who wants to go and, and when they can go. But right now we're talking about a, a date in July, right? Yeah, um, mid-July, which those dates are a little bit flexible. Right now it's around, I think I believe around like the 15th, 16th, but we can talk those exact details once we know who's interested and how many are interested. And, and if it turns out July is not a good time for you, we build houses all year round. So <laughs> so we can find a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would be talking about raising some money. Mm-hmm. So some of you couldn't go, maybe would be behind those who could. Um, and we just think because God has had a relationship here with us and Lauren for a long time, mm-hmm. this is one of those things that we can do to magnify what she does. Mm-hmm. Not all of us get to go and give our lives in the incredible way that Lauren does and has. But being a part of it is a really mm-hmm. awesome opportunity, and we would mm-hmm. love to do that. So mm-hmm. um, what we have is a sign-up sheet out uh, in the foyer on the sign-up table. But I'm obviously mm-hmm. Lauren's going to be up here. Mm-hmm. Kirsten's going to come up and be up here in the front um, as the service comes to an end. Sign up, talk to her. Mm-hmm. You're fine, you're fine, you're good. Everybody can see Kirsten, right? You can see Kirsten. All right. She is going to be able to give her your name and information or make sure it gets on that sheet. If you have questions, come ask. Um, if, if you have some sense of what your limitations or your interest is, give that to them so that we can gather that. And then in a few weeks, we're going to have a meeting of those who are interested and get our heads around what's God asking us to do. And I believe God will lead in that. Uh, I don't believe I have to have it all figured out ahead of time. So I think that's a really awesome thing. We're super excited about it. Is there anything else you want to... Maybe just yeah. one closing Go, small remark. <laughs> um, I just, you know, every time I come here, I always feel like this really is my favorite church to come share at. Don't tell the rest of South Jersey. <laughs> um, but the reason why I so enjoy reconnecting with you guys is because you are, to me, the true example of a church that cares. I know we don't see each other. I know some of you, maybe this is the first time we're meeting. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Lauren Pupchik, soon to be Lauren T. Paz. Um, but next time you see me, I'll have a different last name, but you'll remember my smile and my love for the fact that God is a good, good father. Um, but I just really enjoy coming here because it is, it's what a church should be doing. A church should be um, focused on their own community, pouring into the local community, but also seeing God's global kingdom. And I believe that you have a pastor and a ministry team that understands that. And so it's really exciting to think that 
um, now you guys will take it to the next step and actually come to Guatemala. So I know, just to give you an encouragement, that's the whole way I got involved in missions. As a 16-year-old, um, the opportunity presented itself to go on a short-term trip. I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't even know where Guatemala was. I didn't even know that. I thought it was a city in Mexico. I learned very quickly it's its own country. Um, little did I know what God was going to do through that just step of faith of saying yes. I didn't have the money. I didn't know where it would come from, but God is faithful. And so I just want to encourage you. You might go, I'm the last person who should go. And if God doesn't tell you to go, please don't go on this one. But if God puts that little stir in your heart, just know that he is faithful to provide. And yes, Duolingo is a great app on, on your phone. You can study lots of Spanish. But at the same time, know that you would be saying yes to the Lord. You'd be saying yes to the Holy Spirit's leading. And when you do that, he really does help take care of those details. And I'm really excited to be able to host a team. Um, this would be the first time you guys would be coming to Guatemala. But I know it won't be the last because Guatemala gets in your heart and um, her people get in your heart. And it does. It changes your life forever for the better. So I just want to encourage you that if the Holy Spirit is putting that little stir to really pray and ask Ask him and take that step of faith. Amen. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. All right, before we get to uh, the Lord's Supper, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles to Acts um, chapter 26. And I just want to kind of put our heads into a little bit of why this is such a thing. Why would we even consider something so radical? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, that sounds fun or that sounds neat, but I don't know that I would ever do that or I don't know that that's realistic or whatever. Why, why would people take a week and travel somewhere you don't know to help people you don't know and spend money you don't maybe even have? Why would people do this stuff? Why would someone sacrifice and give of time and finances setting aside what you could do with that for yourself and choosing instead to give it towards someone else, whether it's, it's building them a home or, or teaching some kids and showing the love of Jesus. Why would people do that? Why have our brothers and sisters throughout history done exactly that? And so I want to read a story real quick about someone meeting Jesus. It's probably a familiar story to you, and it's one that's been repeated over and over again from people in this room. Maybe not the exact details, but the whole vibe of what happens in this story, it's someone telling their story about how they met Jesus. It's a man named Saul, and we also call him the Apostle Paul. He is devoted to doing what he thinks matters in his life. And I feel like in today's world, in our American society, a lot of people are very devoted to what they think matters to the hill that they need to conquer, to the thing they need to climb, to the place they need to get so life can be okay. Problems that need to get solved and whatever. And, and Saul, now later Paul, is doing exactly that with passion. And then he meets Jesus. And what happens when you meet Jesus? Some of you know, but let me remind you through this story of the Apostle Paul's life. He says in Acts chapter 26, verse 9, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison and they were put to death. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. 
Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now, get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What a powerful story, right? And what a powerful calling. You've got this man, Saul, who was a man of passion. He was just wrong about what he was giving his life to. And then he meets Jesus. And what I'm saying to you today as I read that story is simply this. Have you met Jesus like that? Not with the light and the, the voice and the falling to the ground, but met Jesus in a way where everything that you thought mattered, you suddenly saw it doesn't matter like that. And suddenly this life and this world comes into perspective where you start to realize that the things that make a difference all have to do with following this one that you've met, Jesus. How long has it been since you've met Jesus like that? where your day and your emotions and your outlook and your whole life is different because of him. What happens when you meet Jesus like that is these priorities that you've placed on things. I want to have a good time. I want to have some laughs. I want to enjoy my life. I want my career to go forward. I want to get my education. I want to get married. I want to have a nice family. All of these priorities, all of these things that we pour ourselves into, they may play a role in what God has for you, but none of them are big enough to be what God has for you. None of them. The only purpose that is big enough is this purpose that Paul was transformed into, from giving his all to destroy Jesus' followers to giving his all to helping more people become followers. And that's our purpose. That is our eternal purpose. It transforms everything about the everyday. Everything about your tomorrow, everything about your today, everything about next year is transformed when you meet Jesus. Because suddenly your job isn't about your job. It's about eternity. It's about God taking you on a journey and a pathway to give you heavenly cause. Your family isn't all about the laundry being done or having the best diet or even the most well-behaved kids. It's an opportunity for the kingdom of God to grow in this greenhouse so that it can be multiplied and expanded and, and, and shown out to the world. You go to school, and school is not about school. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about trusting God with my today and my tomorrow. So every path that we take in the new year, when you've met Jesus, is transformed from this empty 
treadmill existence into this eternally transformative journey. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. Have you met him like that? How long has it been since you met Jesus like that? Without a doubt, the job is too big for us. When I read what God calls Paul to, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they can receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified. What in the, how can I, there's no wet, that's too much. No doubt, that's too much. But God is calling us to it. And God will do it in you. The question is not whether or not it's our cause. The question is, will we step up into it? Or will we step back from it? And so we're talking about an opportunity to head to Guatemala and do this. That's one of thousands of opportunities you're going to have this year. And if that's one of the ones God has for you, don't step back from it. Step into it. In whatever way that you are supposed to. But that is just a, it's like so clear that even, you know, blind us can see it. But open your eyes to the everyday opportunity that you have to turn people from darkness to light, to set them free from the power of Satan and turn them over to the power of God, to show them that their sins can be forgiven and they can be counted among the sanctified, the holy, the forgiven, the washed, the made new. No matter what their story is, no matter what their journey is, let them meet Jesus. But the only way you do that is when you have met Jesus. And so we're going to close our service today with communion. And today, this Lord's Supper, I want it to be in the next few moments an opportunity for you to meet Jesus like this, to be reminded of the purpose, embracing what God has called you to. So I'm going to.